Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, guys. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com/musicals2cheese and start browsing the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com/musicals2cheese. Also, a huge special thanks to our patrons over at Patreon, who are currently Stephanie L., Terry Needleman, Max Lunig, Benjamin Lerher, Chris O'Kelly, and Lily Ackles. They give us a little extra financial support that helps keep the lights on here at Musicals with Cheese. If you would like to join them in supporting us and get tons of fun perks such as patron-only commentaries, patron-only live streams, um, and tons more, join us at Patreon. This... Um, we currently have up a Music Man commentary for the Matthew Broderick version, so that's up. Oh, yeah, the Matthew Broderick masterpiece. <laughs> as well as our full Tony's live stream that will only be available to patrons, so you guys can hear me belligerently talk about theater actors. Just got very drunk. <laughs> Do you want to talk about our affiliate link, Andrew? Oh, yes. Uh, on top of all that, in our description we have an affiliate link for Amazon if you'd like to... Uh, click that, you can buy anything on Amazon, and we will receive a cut of that with no extra cost for you. So, if you're going to buy anything, just use that link and you support us. So, thank you for your consideration. Alright, at long last, let's get back to the real show. Hello, I'm Jesse McAnally. And I'm Andrew DeWolf. And welcome to Musicals with Cheese, a podcast where I try to get Andrew to like musical theater. And today we have an extra special guest. Such a special guest. Oh, <laughs> um, we have podcaster, musician, writer, Kirk Hamilton. He's most well known for the Strong Song podcast and many other things. So, Kirk, thank you for joining us. Hello, Jess. Hello, Andrew. It's very nice to be here. Hello. <laughs> so He's been here this whole time. He just listened to us chill. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been hanging out, listening. You got that was those are some quality reads. I gotta say, I've I've heard a lot of ad reads in my time, and you got them. You got them. Just knocked them out in one. We take. got down pat. Like I feel like mm-hmm. people should be paying us for this. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. Let's move on. Let's. let's you <laughs> you thought you were so cool when you said that. Either way, Kurt. I thought I'm so uh, slick. You chose what we're talking about today, so I'm going to let you introduce it. I did choose what we were talking about today. We're talking about one of my favorite musicals. It's one that I only saw when I was a kid, and then I guess again on TV, and listened to mostly uh, on CD as a child. This is Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice's musical, Jesus Christ Superstar. Jesus Christ Superstar is a 1970 rock opera with music by Andrew Lloyd Webber and lyrics by Tim Rice. The musical started as a rock opera concept album before its Broadway debut in 1971. The musical is mostly sung through with little spoken dialogue. It's loosely based on the Gospels account of the last week of Jesus' life. 
beginning with the preparation for the arrival of Jesus and his disciples and Jerusalem, and ending with the crucifixion. It depicts political and interpersonal struggles between Judas Iscariot and Jesus that are not present in the Bible. The work's depiction offers a free interpretation of the psychology of Jesus and other characters. Much of the plot centers on Judas, who is dissatisfied with the direction in which Jesus is steering his disciples. So, guys... What do we think about Jesus Christ Superstar? I know Kirk talked about his history with it, but Andrew, this was your first time diving into this. This is actually my first time seeing it at all. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's actually kind of surprising since it's, uh, it seems like it was a pretty popular movie, so it's weird I have never seen it. As a first viewing, it was actually very, very impressive. So when you say the movie, you mean the 1973 movie? Yes, the 1973 movie is the one that I watched for this. That movie is a trip. <laughs> it is something else uh, but that's what i watched i also listened to the soundtrack uh, as well mm -hmm. as i usually do was it the soundtrack or the cast recording fucking who cares you know no this is a <laughs> this is a worthwhile <laughs> distinction so actually the movie soundtrack was the one that i grew up listening to and it's really good in some ways and really crusty and weird in some other ways. And I've only recently been listening to other versions of this and going back and listening to the movie soundtrack, like the original, I guess it's the the movie, I guess the movie cast recording. It's it's Tim Neely. Is that the guy's name? And um, Ted Neely. Yeah. Ted Neely. That's it. I think he's the guy I saw live when I was like 12 too. Ted Neely and Carl Anderson playing Jesus and Judas. And they're both really good, but the recording is super weird. And I, I think maybe it works better in the movie. I haven't seen the movie in several years, but it has uh, a really 70s sound to it. It does. Uh, and it's, it's like loose, psychedelic. Like, it sounds like a Pink Floyd album. I don't know. <laughs> it, it does. And there are times. So I went back to listen to that one when I was getting ready for this podcast. And there are times in the recording where it straight up sounds like the drums are like in a different room and can't hear everybody else. And the rhythm gets all messed up. And there are actual just mistakes <laughs> like in the recording, which is really weird because when you go and listen to the cast recordings, there aren't any mistakes. They they do it super well. Like some of them are almost too polished. So it's a, it was I actually grew up listening to the movie one that you listened to. It sounds like Andrew, which is kind of cool because we're coming from the same place. I did also listen to the newer one with um, the only thing I, I know is uh, they got different actors some like more famous modern actors to do it i'm not sure like john legend um yes john legend was in uh who was he playing jesus that was uh that was jesus yes yeah so they got him and i listened to some of that as well and i think that one was more polished oh yeah definitely that one's funny too well <laughs> that one's the one that they did on tv last year which was did either of you watch that or jess have you seen that yes 100 percent. i wouldn't have missed that i didn't see that one no it was pretty friggin' good, considering how weird and gimmicky those live TV Broadway shows have been typically. Or I guess I only saw part of that Sound of Music one, and that was not... We watched Rocky Horror or something like that, and that was that was something else. That could be uh, fun, I guess. That's sort of similar. It's like a rock, more of a rock musical than a than a than a standard one with John Legend in particular. But just with that production, I thought it was it was really good and kind of fun to go back and listen to it. I, I agree. Um, I was really impressed with that production, like both like as like a live event. It felt like it one of the few live events that actually worked. I was mm -hmm. not as impressed with John Legend, but mostly because I am just too fond of the original ver vocalization choices of like every other album. So like I, when he doesn't right. quite go for the high notes, I'm like, oh, but yeah, everyone... it's it's <laughs> well, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. But everyone does thoughts. good. It was basically what I was going to say. 
Yeah, they did a good job with it. I agree that he he was like it was it's cool to see an artist with a really distinct voice like John Legend put a spin on a character that requires that kind of vocal range because yeah, he's he's got a really nice falsetto, but he doesn't have that scream that actually Ted Neely I always associate his scream with that role though listening to, you know, I don't know other versions of it, the that West End revival version is that Steve Balsamo? I have this whole list of like all the people who've played these roles over the over the years. And his falsetto is ridiculous. Like some of those high notes that he hits during, I don't know, like Guess the Man and some other songs are really out of control. So I think it was the most out of control Jesus is Drew Sarich. Have you heard him? Oh, who is he? I'm not sure. Which 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 uh, version is he on? Um he was in the German um Aust- I think it's Amstetten um production. Oh as interesting. Well. No, I definitely haven't heard him then. He, his voice is literally, it's like high to begin with, so it goes even higher. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny that, so I, I the, the musical that I've been recently obsessed with is Hamilton. I, I did a Strong Songs episode about Hamilton. I like really got into that one and it's been fun doing the same thing to Jesus Christ Superstar and going learning all the music on piano and stuff. And Hamilton is very, very similar to Jesus Christ Superstar. I almost think... Like some of the reasons, like some of the reason that people might be getting into Jesus Christ Superstar now is because they've checked out Hamilton and like are appreciating the similarities. There's all these structural similarities, but one of the things that I struggle with with Hamilton is I didn't get to see the original cast. I listened to the original recording, of course, like a lot of people did. It's super good, and then I went and saw it in San Francisco, and it was really cool. But it was that thing where you listen to the original cast recording and you get it in your head, and then you see, you know, a, a traveling production do it and everyone's really really good but they're just not what you're used to so it takes a little while you want it to sound this, exactly the same as what you've heard yeah, like a million times it's like and it's not <laughs> even about kind of it's like not about wanting it to sound like that like right like you know it's not going to sound like you know whoever the, the people you've gotten used to it's more just it takes a minute to be like oh i've gotten so used to these characters sounding this way that it just seems like this is an imposter in the role you know pretending to be angelica schuyler and with this there you're are these, a fraud like, jesus right right <laughs> where well, and kind of because this has been around for so long you know it's what almost god is that right it's almost 50 oh my god it's almost 50 years old that's so crazy um because it came out in 1970 uh the there have been so many different people who've played the roles over the years and there are all these different recordings i mean even just on spotify there's like five different versions um i've got the original like this vinyl of the original um concept album that my parents had that i now have and that, you know, then there's that version, there's the movie version, there's the cast recording version. Like, even from the beginning, there were all these different versions of it. And now there's so many people who played the roles that it kind of, it like transcends any one performance, which is neat because you can do what we're doing, right? You can like talk about the particulars of how one person sang the high notes for Jesus or whatever. So, Kirk, I've got a question. Since you have watched a bunch of versions, what is your favorite version of this musical? Because each one is so very different from each other and i think that's one of the best things about this musical specifically like you can have something vastly different from the previous and still be the same thing it's a tough one right i'm not like i feel like it's a boring answer to say that i don't have a favorite because i don't but it's it's hard because there are aspects to each of them that i like like i was saying so i i really like ted neely's performance and i really like carl anderson's performance in the movie and i have that association with them because i grew up listening to them and i just really like pictured judas singing you know heaven on their minds the way that carl anderson sings it in the beginning of that movie which is super good and i associate ted neely's like get out like that crazy scream that he can do <laughs> you know like i that's just how I hear Jesus. Plus, he has a couple of line reads where he's like, what you started, 
I didn't start it. Like he has that he turns inward sometimes and his performance is really great. But also, like I was saying, listening to it now, I honestly found it hard to listen to just listening to the music because there were times there was a time on that recording where they it sounds to me like they superimpose a second drum track on top of an existing drum track because the existing one was so wrong. And you can hear double <laughs> snare drum hits like I'm not kidding. Like I can't I wish I'd made a note of which song there, it was, but I'm positive what I heard. And it's like so janky sounding at times or this. There's like, like a, a lot of sloppiness, beat. like a lot, oh, man, a lot yeah. of sloppiness. And like there, there's noticeable. a wrong note in the piano early on. Like they just hit a clunker and it's just in there. So I don't know what happened during that recording, but like, so that I don't like. And then I don't know, I was listening to the So the other versions I listened to are the concept album. And then I really do like that 1996, uh, the, the, uh, West End Revival recording. That band is ridiculously tight because it's like the 90s and everyone knows how to produce something like this. And the drums just sound like bodacious and huge. The bass player is like kind of playing a lot of slap bass. And it's cool because he's hitting it really hard, but it's also kind of a lot of slap bass. And I actually sort of think it sounds better with finger bass. So I kind of have like my particular gripes about each version, I guess. I'm sure, I'm sure there's like more information than you're asking for, but but it's hard to say. I do really like that um, 1996 version, though. I've been enjoying listening to that because it's kind of new to me and it that's exciting on its own have you watched the 2012 uk arena tour with tim minchin no. and ben forster no i haven't how is it um it has it's like you say it has moments but there's a lot of uh, when they hit the new millennium there was a lot of lyric changes which irk me <laughs> oh interesting like what um let's think um gethsemane um in mm-hmm. uh, the two thousand twelve, I pronounced that one wrong. Guess the main is what I always call it. Guess the mini, I got it. Gethsemane is kind of how you're supposed to pronounce. It. Gethsemane, think okay. About it. Um, but they changed the final lines of that from "God, my will is hard, but you hold every card." Um, mm-hmm. to "God, thy will is done. Take your only son." Oh, which I'm like, that's an interesting one. And they also remove a lot of anachronisms, like one thing I'll say from Jesus is cool to infantile servants the multitudes go and Uh. a lot of lyric changes um to make things rhyme instead of just rhyme in british (laughs) that's interesting that that one line especially in 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 how what is it again gethsemane (laughs) i've always thought of it as gethsemane i think just because i read it gethsemane that line is an amazing line that you hold i mean that i feel like that's like a really important line for what he's realizing about how god is just not responding to him and he's just like well okay like this sucks but i just have to do it It sort of really changes the meaning there i wonder why they wonder why they did that um because tim rice has um george lucas syndrome he likes to go in and change things Uh quite a bit I mean, I guess he's entitled, but that's not as good of a line, I don't think. But <laughs> but let's no, just I think of ourselves like as writers at age, what were they? They were like 17, 18. They were kids when they wrote this. Like, mm, if I yeah. saw something when I was 18 and being like, ah, at 60, like, let me just change that up a little <laughs> Maybe, bit. Maybe like fix that up a little bit. That's true. I would that do it. True. Just, just got to keep going back and changing everything. Why not? <laughs> um, I mean, basically. Um, so... What do we think of how the story is told? Because I know we're talking a lot about the music, and that's very much Kirk's wheelhouse, and he's doing a great job analyzing that. Oh, but yeah, what I mean, do we I think could of... go forever, but I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm also interested in what Andrew thinks more. <laughs> <laughs> what do we think about this storytelling of this? Because, really, it is interesting. Like, it, it is very common now to see, like, the enemy's point of view of the hero, like, 
as made famous now by Hamilton and all this, but this was the mm-hmm. first time that was really used. And they also used it very well in, a few years later when they did Evita. So I'm curious, like, what do you guys think of that interpretation? Uh, I definitely like the heavy focus on Judas, who just seems to be a much more interesting character than Jesus is in this, because Jesus just kind of sits around and doesn't really do very much uh, other than get <laughs> worshipped. He complains. And feel sorry for himself, I guess. Whereas uh, Judas, he he definitely does complain a lot. Um, which I don't know if that was if they're doing that on purpose or if there was like nothing else they could have done with that character. I feel like it's it's the Jesus story. You could definitely do more with him than just have him complain. Um, yeah, it's it's that's tricky what they when to do, the, the guess, character but... with the strongest inner conflict is Judas, right? Because he's the one with the decision to make. So dramatically, it makes sense to focus on Judas, where Jesus's whole role is kind of like, well, I have this thing set out in front of me. I know what it's going to be. And I just have to deal with that. And him dealing with it is interesting. But right, like Judas is just kind of built, at least in the structure and the time, like the story they chose to tell. He is kind of the it was like a smart call, right, to focus on Judas. Yeah, I guess, I mean, if you just have it as Jesus and Judas is like the side character, Jesus doesn't do very much. Mm-hmm. Things just kind of happen to him. Uh, and it's that's just not a fun way to tell a story in, by any means. So there's a large focus on, on Judas as well as the other like villainous characters, which I guess is uh, good and bad. Uh, some of those characters, I don't like their songs very much oh i remember when i was a kid i just loved the guy who played caiaphas in in the movie i guess i'm looking at what his name is frederick b owens just he has this ridiculous voice that he just sings solo and i was always i always just liked his deliveries but yeah some of those songs are just i mean (laughs) this this musical is a downer right i think that's the thing that really strikes me about it especially the movie production it's so weird and dark and just a bummer like it doesn't it's called jesus christ superstar well i mean yeah both your main characters just die right like judas kills and it's also like the tale of the end like of the bad times basically like they have a whole song like man i really wish it was like it was at the beginning where we were just having a good time and like spreading the good word and helping people and it's sort of this sad just the falling apart of a thing that of course then gives rise to this whole other bigger thing but you don't see any of that happen right it doesn't even depict the resurrection which i guess was controversial so it's like very just like the the doom and betrayal and death of jesus which is kind of surprising especially given the name of the show you would have thought i don't know i'm surprised i liked this as a kid honestly i did but i guess i don't really know why i i would say they're being very subversive with uh what they how they tell the story though yeah like not depicting the resurrection not depicting any miracles right um like you don't really know if the writers are if this is a, a christian rock album or if this is you know the writer saying hey this might be all bs like we're not really sure <laughs> right like maybe he was just a guy and that's kind of the well that question is like at the heart of the musical and that's what makes it so it gives it that tension right and that's really cool that it's it also gives it like you an know edge, no one knows uh mm-hmm. whereas like this is it's not just a christian rock thing where you show up and you're like oh jesus is awesome and, and then you, right. you go home and go to church and you know that and go to bed uh, I was going to ask about what you guys thought about how the Christian faith turned against this musical on first like glance at it, but then reclaimed it later on as it went on and became an institution. You know, I, 
I don't know enough about what the Christian church was like in the 70s. Like it, I've seen the sort of historical breakdown of how that works and none of that surprises me. Like it, the whole thing is, you know, it's built into the musical itself and it exists outside of it. The idea that he's saying he's the son of God and that that is like blasphemy within the musical and then outside of the musical, they're saying, well, this is actually blasphemous that you're saying that maybe he wasn't the son of God. And, you know, when Herod is like, do a bunch of miracles and he's like, no, I'm not going to do them. It kind of almost feels like the guys writing the musical are also like, no, we're not going to show him like walking on water or turning water into wine. Cause that's not the story we want to tell. They kind of wanted to imagine the story of Christ as a dude and just the apostles as a bunch of people. And it kind of has those anachronisms and they just feel like kind of like flower people, these hippies out trying to do a cool thing. And that works really well. I mean, as a kid, I didn't grow up uh, religious at all and didn't, you know, I kind of knew the story and had gone to church some, but I didn't know a lot of that. And this was a way in for me, like to just learn the story. Like I didn't know who Mary Magdalene was before I was listening to this. And I was like, Oh, I thought she was Mary, like the Virgin Mary. Cause I thought there was one Mary. I didn't know anything. And then I found well, out oh, there was like this whole character. Probably not, but <laughs> <laughs> likely not. And, um, and yeah, so that I thought was like a cool way to, to make it approachable. And again, it's another Hamilton parallel actually that like Hamilton does something similar by like refashioning an old story that we've heard a million times with like modern music and a, different kind of a cast and like you know doing the same kind of a thing which can be a really cool storytelling technique mm-hmm. but in more recent productions they have shown jesus's mu- miracles um oh really i saw man it, i don't yeah. know any of this um this bothered me when i saw it when i was a kid i saw this with ted neely because ted neely has played jesus longer than jesus played jesus um yeah <laughs> 30 35 years now i think almost 40 so well, yeah he's- yeah that's longer than jesus lived Mm-hmm. No, in the musical they said he only did it for three years. So, all right, but I mean, I think he was thirty-three when he died, so it's like longer <laughs> than his entire life. <laughs> but nevertheless, I remember watching that production, and it starts with um, the overture. Instead of like anything cool, they have Jesus literally resurrecting Lazarus from the dead, and it's like huh. that kind of ruins the whole rest of this, <laughs> right? <laughs> huh? It's like the whole. It's like, oh no, actually, it, it, he is the son of God, and this is all real. Yeah, it's like and, basically, uh, it's like, oh yeah, the like you know huh. mystery or like you know maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Uh, how about right away? Yeah, he definitely is. Okay, that's definitely a choice. And it's sandwiched at the end with that. With he's hung up there on the cross, and he's like, "I am delivered," and then the cross falls away, and he floats across the audience, and I'm like, oh, "Really." God. Yeah. Wow. That I get it's interesting. That like really illustrates the edge they walked in the original production of not going there and leaving it kind of ambiguous, which I def I definitely prefer. I'm sure there are people who love it, like who, you know, want to see that and that's cool too. But like for me, yeah, no, I I like the ambiguity a lot more. That's Yeah, that's I mean when your when your Sunday school class puts it on, you can add all the miracles in, but like <laughs> sure. if I'm watching a movie of it, I don't want to see that. <laughs> They also put off a very, like, in, in the 70s movie, there's a very heavy cult vibe going around, hmm. where, like, especially things Judas are saying, where he's like, um, you know, we were going to help people and we were going to do all this, but really he's just talking to Jesus who's sitting there getting worshipped. It's mm-hmm. like, mm, Jim Jones. What's going That's on interesting. here? Hmm, I hadn't thought about this. I haven't seen, I got really into cult stuff, like, over the last few years of, like, watching the Jonestown documentary and stuff, and the 70s were such a cult time, but I haven't seen the movies since then, and that totally makes sense, that it was the same time period, and that everyone kind of had that on their minds, that they would kind of channel some of that. That's, that's, that's interesting. So, I, I'm going to say this is incredibly edgy, and, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting that this was able to come out in the 70s. 
Yeah. It does kind of go to show like how experimental people were in the 70s. There was so much. I mean, if there's one thing I've learned doing this music podcast, I, you know, so I'm a jazz musician. That was like my background and then learned a bunch of other instruments after school and kind of got back, got into rock. And I always knew a bunch of rock music, but going through the 70s and really learning what people were doing in the 1970s, that was a crazy decade for music. And there was so much experimental shit going. I mean, that was like when Queen was doing their thing and ELO was doing their thing and this whole like post Beatles experimental thing was happening and at the same time you've got Andrew Lloyd Webber like kind of coming out of nowhere and, and writing this musical so it's a cool decade absolutely now I've got a question for you guys in the presentation of this show there's been a lot of presentations where they just portray it as the modern day time like Jesus is just mm-hmm. dressed up like Johnny Depp and all that or <laughs> even literally that was what the Johnny 2012 Depp. <laughs> <laughs> the 2012 production literally par- paralleled Johnny Depp in their portrayal of Jesus. They had um, Judas and dreadlocks and like modern day cameras and all that. Um, and while the 70s film was like in the desert, it still had some anachronisms. So how do you guys like this story portrayed? Do you like it portrayed like literally in the present day or do you like a mix of both? Or do you want just like the like, how do you envision it when you listen to it? It's definitely interesting to see, like, a bus, but then everyone still has spears. <laughs> right, that's right, I'm remembering the movie. But at the God, same the time... The beginning part with that bus. <laughs> it doesn't make a huge amount of sense, though, because, like, everyone has spears, but then right at the beginning of the show, you see them have a gun. Hmm. So, it's like, okay, guns exist, but all the soldiers are using spears. Like, what's going on here? You got some, like, Black Panther kind of stuff going on, you know? Yeah, I remember... <laughs> So as a kid, again, I remember listening to the CD of the of the cast recording and of, of I'm sorry, of the movie recording. And on the cover, it's it's like him being crucified and a bunch of people standing around the cross or maybe it's just a bunch of people standing around a cross. I can't remember. But it is like everyone's wearing kind of period appropriate garb. But then one guy has a machine gun slung over his back. <laughs> and I remember as a kid, it kind of blew my mind because I didn't get it because like I said I a lot of my experience of Jesus Christ Superstar is just listening to it and I didn't see it I saw one performance on stage when I was like 13 or something and then saw the the TV production and have seen like clips but so I hadn't seen it and I I didn't think of it as being anachronistic really you know it was just music and it was music about a thing that happened you know thousands of years before electric guitars existed but that didn't seem anachronistic that was just like a, it's a musical but then seeing that picture I was like why does he have a machine gun <laughs> what is what is <laughs> Mean. And it took me a while to kind of understand. And then I think as I got older and I sort of understood, I got what they were going for. And there's like the part where what they're like being the news media and they're kind of interrogating him as he's being led away. And there are these these things or like, yeah, one thing I'll say for him, Jesus is cool, which, you know, I kind of started to understand that there were these anachronisms in the language. In terms of the actual stage production, I like a mix. I think it's fine just being ambiguous. It's, it exists in this kind of dream space anyways it doesn't need to be like it's really depicting one place in time and actually i i haven't seen like a super modern production of it but that seems like that would actually just be kind of cheesy yeah it was um basically in 2012 they did a production which is sung very well and everyone's doing their best performance wise but they're just mocking the wall street protests and basically like it's dumb Right. It's such a timeless story and it works super well, partly because it it literally exists out of time. Like there's stuff from a lot of different time periods happening at once. The minute you try to make it topical, like, you know, it oh, that's very 2012, you know, <laughs> and then you watch it now and it looks kinda, it just dates it dated. immediately. Yeah, it's like you dated. watch yeah. it two years later and you're like, oh, remember when that stuff was happening? Right. Which is like a shame <laughs> of a thing to do to a very t- a, like shockingly timeless musical. <laughs> 
Hey guys, sorry to interrupt you in the middle of the show, but today I got a shill at you. Our show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. Tis that easy! Go to audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese to get started today. Today, I am suggesting Unmasked by Andrew Lloyd Webber. In it, he goes into the creation of many of his early musicals all the way up to Phantom of the Opera, including Superstar and how that skyrocketed throughout America and the UK. Um, it's narrated by Andrew Lloyd Webber and Derek Perkins. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese for your free audiobook. All right, let's get back to the show, folks. Let's go into the music, guys. Can we just talk Let's about how it. it's the best overture, like almost in all of musical theater? <laughs> it is a it is a hell of an overture. I'm like increasingly not like I get bored of a lot of overtures, but I always listen to the Jesus Christ Superstar overture. It just gets me excited for everything to come. Like it gives you a little sneak piece peek at everything in the best way, where it's just a ramping up and build towards something where a lot of overtures feel like it's just right they feel obligatory like okay here's just a little medley of all the songs you're gonna hear and here's the chorus where i'm trying to remember and jess you'll you've seen it more recently there's like something happening on stage during the overture right like i remember in the movie they're like setting up their camp or something but isn't there kind of a dramatic thing going on and then he finally shows up when the jesus christ superstar like when that music starts playing it's like the lights all shine on him and he appears for the first time but isn't there action going on on stage during the orchestra or it sorry, really depends on which production you're doing in all honesty oh, okay. the productions i've seen live um i saw two times like the same tour and literally it was the lazarus coming back from the dead scene and i'm like oh, oh um, yeah, right. but <laughs> i guess that's right that's what you were saying that's right but the john legend production did this really cool thing where they're kind of like breaking down the stage um mm-hmm. the 2012 um wall street production um does a bunch of security cameras and them oh like going ag- oh, <laughs> and then going up against like police like riot forces like and then jesus appears at the jesus christ superstar the 2000 film um it's literally just a bunch of people graffitiing because that film is really bad oh man yeah always, musically i That was when Jesus showed up is when that coda comes on. Right. Yeah. I feel like that's when I think in the production that I saw, that's when he showed up. And just musically, I think it's cool. It starts so it's so sinister. And there's a lot of very sinister music like the like that's a great it's like the villain theme or whatever. But it and then it all comes together on that sort of um, that like that building thing. And that's another place actually where the movie soundtrack kind of falls apart. <laughs> like the orchestra comes in and they're they're off rhythmically from the rhythm section. Like for just one second, the drums come in and it's super nasty and like the bass and guitar are like really grooving. And then the strings come in. It's that like da 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 I'm doing a bad job of singing it. But they come in and the <laughs> rhythm is just a disaster. So if anyone wants to check this out, it's actually kind of interesting to like go listen to that version of it and like with, with headphones on and be like, wow, why is everybody playing in it's it like, like a different... It's- Raw, a different tempo. Man. Like you just yeah. don't get it. 
<laughs> uh, right, right. They're like, we're trying to make a statement about like how much tension there was. And it's like everyone was at a different rhythm, you know? <laughs> yeah. Everyone's playing to like their own key, man. Like, right. It's, it's just like, like a, it's raw. It's, a, it's an avant garde statement about music. And... Although this, it does play with time signatures quite a bit. So maybe it was intentional they at do. first. And then they, and then they realized, hey, that sounds awful. Let's not do that. <laughs> yeah, let's overdub a second drum set to make it sound <laughs> Let's try to fix it, but not fix yeah, it. But do our best. I can actually um, state that that was not intentional, because Andrew Lloyd Webber hates the movie for the exact reason that Kirk's bringing oh, up. Oh, does he really? Oh, I'm not yes. surprised. Having just listened to it, I would fucking hate that. If I had written that music, I'd be like, what did you do to my music? You couldn't <laughs> record a second take? <laughs> like, come on, guys. Like, give everyone headphones so they can hear each other. Let's just basic stuff. If I am going to give the movie some credit, it knows which themes are going to what character very well and a lot of films don't quite understand that mm -hmm. so like when you get the bum 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 we see Judas and when you get mm -hmm. to a pilot's theme you see him like it introduces all the characters with their themes like in a way that makes the dum-dums know who we're supposed to care about great job guys <laughs> and I would imagine a lot of people like experience it by seeing the movie, which is cool. Like there should be more and like not just stage movies, but like just more movies of, of Broadway productions in general. So more people can see this stuff. Like one of the reasons this is so big is probably because there was a really big movie in 1973 that a lot of people watched and then their kids watched and stuff. So that is that is cool that it exists despite the musical issues. That My mind is clearer now at last. All too well I can see where we all soon will be If you strip away the myth from the man You will see where we all soon All right, do you guys want to talk about heaven on their minds and how that is? Well, before we get into the music, can we talk about how they zoom in on Judas like eight times in the movie? It's like <laughs> there, are the dumbest thing. there are definitely some directorial choices in that movie. I, like I said, it was a few years ago when I saw it, but I remember being like, what the hell am I watching? The 70s. I, you know what? Now that we're talking about it, there is a ton of like 70s movie stuff. Oh, yeah. In the 73 movie. Like there's like freeze frames. There's like dance parts where they slow, like literally mm -hmm. slow motion the dance. I'm remembering the sequence. There's a sequence with tanks. What's the thing with tanks and Judas is in the desert and there's like tanks all around? Am I making that up or did I? No, no, that's that? a thing. That is a okay, thing. Yeah. yeah. I remember that just watching that and being like, what the, like drugs were they doing in the <laughs> 70s when they made this movie? Like, no, they nail the 70s feel, but it was made in the 70s. So I guess. They weren't really going for it. No, it was just everything was the 70s feel because it was 1973. Exactly. Can I bring up some directorial choices? This, the 73 film was directed by Norman Jewison, who also directed two years before that Fiddler on the Roof, which uh -huh. is, oh really? I think an insanely good film to screen adaptation. And as much as I do love the 73 film Jesus Christ Superstar, I do not think it's nearly as successful a film as Fiddler on the Roof. 
Yeah, it seems like he takes more chances. I'm not sure. I love Fiddler. I'm not sure if I've seen the movie or not. Maybe when I was a kid. But uh, it's a yeah. They he makes a lot of choices. Not all of them work. But it is cool that he's at least going for something with it. I I do like seeing them zoom in on Judas like eight times in a row right at the start of the movie. That's like, like this oh, is I'm Judas. I'm in for a ride. Yes, <laughs> it's Judas. Do you understand? That's Judas. I do like so to get to heaven on their minds. Just I really <laughs> like this song, and I like that it starts with like a big feature for Judas because it kind of tells you right at the beginning. It's just like having Aaron Burr begin Hamilton. I'll stop talking about Hamilton. I promise, but it's very similar. <laughs> and um, like I'm guessing that Lin Manuel Miranda was like, oh, that's a cool idea. Um, maybe I'll do something like that. Um, but having Judas show up and he like you get his perspective first basically like it's it establishes the tone of the whole thing is judas is having doubts and he doesn't think what jesus is doing is right and he's like super worried about everything and that is the tone of the whole musical so it's like as an introductory piece it's like a really it's like as a meta statement it's kind of a it's it's a very profound statement yeah i think it's a really interesting it is at the top of almost every male singer's range oh man Um, and you get some very bad Judases because of that. <laughs> well, man, and Carl Carl Anderson in the movie, he does that like, oh, 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 like he like goes so high on this one part that nobody else does. Like I, because I know that version really well. When I listen to the other ones, I'm always like, are they gonna go for it? Are they gonna go? They're like, please remember. Like he's he's like wailing up there, um, like jumping around and doing all this like kind of high range yodeling that's super hard and like I don't know how to do, and he kills it so yeah, yeah it's, a, Judas it's a tough song just nails it immediately i and i love also that it opens with judas because he's he's basically the main character i would yeah, say kind of uh i mean i guess it's arguable if it's him or jesus but with it opening with him i think there's a strong argument that it's him yeah i mean and really he has like we get more of a sense of his internal monologue i mean we get some of jesus's but more of judas's and he has more of an arc like it's a shitty arc (laughs) you know it's a bummer but like he has a real narrative arc um probably more than jesus does really um yeah uh i think it's a really interesting way to open a musical especially coming from the not too long after like the rogers and hammerstein of like world like this is really out there for an intro and i think it's really effective yeah Mm mm-hmm yeah, I can't imagine how people responded to this. I mean, I guess it was an album first, so it kind of had that going for it. Like everyone was sort of broken in just listening to it and not thinking, okay, this needs to exist alongside these much more traditional musicals. But yeah, that I I can't really even imagine what that response to that must have been back when it came out. <laughs> and it's cool and me All right, do you guys want to talk about Everything's All Right next? Do, do either of you have anything intense to say about that song, or sh- is there another one that I should go to? Uh, I mean, it's a pretty mellow song, right? It's like Mary's songs don't like knock my socks off exactly in this musical. They're not my mm-hmm. favorites. She's like a useful character, and I think it, the show needed a female lead, and that's cool. Like, it's, she's basically the only woman in the whole thing. But um, <laughs> but the, her songs are always just a little like, 
like it's it's tricky. It's like the, the her role is to be this mellowing influence and to come in and calm things down and to sing the beautiful ballads. But also like she's always calming things down and singing the beautiful ballads when you're like, I want people to rock and have arguments and that's kind of like more like the you know, the, the meat of the well, musical. She's so. uh, she's kind of like uh almost represents everything that's uh going wrong between Judas and Jesus because mm. there's a major point of contention between uh, Judas and Jesus just because she's there basically right right um, she's the Yoko yeah she's she's the Yoko and, and Jesus is a uh, is the Beatle <laughs> yeah and Judas is like what not he, well Judas is like trying to be like I'm not saying that it's just because she's like you know a prostitute that's not the problem it's just like that's kind of the problem though <laughs> Jesus is like dude it's not cool like, I can kind of see his point so though not that she's a prostitute but that, that like Jesus is enjoying himself too much and yeah. having her around and having her bathing him and and it's you know it's like Jesus we're supposed to be changing the world here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tricky. And here you I are think they, in your cave with with Mary hanging on your sleeve. You know, like what's going on? <laughs> it's a good like distillation of that. I mean, because like they both make sound arguments right like later when he's like oh you're using this oil that we could be we could use the money to to help all these people and jesus is like dude we can't like end poverty though and it's it's cool that the two characters are kind of having this discussion with one another even while we know that it's so much more intense like in judas's mind than he's even letting on and we also of course know that it's going to end really badly <laughs> so that kind of t- that kind of is like hanging over Next, everything right? the room was full of wild and angry men They seemed to hate this man They fell on him and then They disappeared again Then I saw Thousands of millions Crying for this man And then I heard them mentioning my name you know, I really like. Well, I really like Pilot's Dream. I think that I love that, that song. Song too. just as a song is really cool. I was actually learning how that was one of the ones that I learned before we did this. And I it's like the just, temple a lot too. I think that's yeah, a fun one. That is that moment. And that also then in that Ted Neely version when he just gets to like get out and like do his highest, oh, yeah. you know, sque- his most squeezy scream. Um, but yeah, I dig Pilot's Dream just as a song. It's like a really straightforward thing. That moves, you know, through a really straightforward chord progression, but has a couple of cool places. It goes to a couple of cool places and does some unexpected things. And it's just sung really beautifully in almost every version because it's in like a nice just it's not like a metal heavy metal screamer. It's just in a nice place in the male register and the guy can just come out and it introduces pilot. I think to set up an antagonist was just a contemplative song about like, oh, my gosh, I think everything's going to go badly and I'm really worried about this it's a nice it's a better opening than if we just saw him in act two like who is this broken man right right Right. that he comes in seeming like a dick actually which is sort of surprising given that he had that introduction but then of course eventually it's you learn that he's sort of really conflicted on this and doesn't want to kill Jesus and like doesn't really want any of this. And is kind of just a bureaucrat doing the thing that everybody else is like no you have to do this and he, he almost like doesn't want to which does it makes him a much more interesting character yeah. My favorite part of that is when I'm skipping ahead to um, Trial Before Pilot. The moment Pilot realizes who Jesus is, you have the return of the Pilot's Dream theme chime in. Talk to me, Jesus Christ! 
Look at your Jesus Christ. I'll agree, he's mad. Or to be locked up. But that is not a reason to destroy him. Yep. Like, and you see in almost every performance, like, oh God, it's him and it's this. And how do I get out of this? I'm in too deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great, <laughs> yeah, that is a great moment. And right, like you kind of have to jump around some, right? Because so much of this stuff is setting up like themes and motifs that then come back later and like, you know, are, are only fully realized over the course of the musical. <laughs> Do you want to talk about the temple? Um, I just really, really love the uh, the scream that Jesus does, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then the part after in that like crazy like seven rhythm, which is just like nutty to hear in a musical. I just love yeah. I love that, and it's just very catchy. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I more liked it just as a song, and there's not really much to say about it as story wise. I think it's a very interesting like little segment to have, both like him being the rich out uh, the rich of the richest, like stealing from each other and like selling prostitutes and all that, and he tears that down, and then he goes to the poor of the poorest, the weak of the weakest, and they just tear him down just as much as they did. Like it is such a great dichotomy between that showing that you can't win with either side and all of them just kind of want to drain you. And it kind of shows Jesus's actual feeling and why he's so um, unwilling to do anything really, because like he goes to the poor and all they want is just fix everything, fix everything. And he can't do it, I guess, or at least the musical saying he can't do it. Uh, we don't I don't know the extent of his power. The book Bible said he couldn't do it. <laughs> it starts to set up his sort of, you know, what he then is articulating in Gestamine and in the or in the agony in the garden, which I learned today in doing my research is what that is called. Um, when he goes and kind of yeah, he like expresses doubt. He's like, I can't I can't do this. Like, why do I have to do this? And that sort of sets that up, right? That they're all like, help me, like save me. And he wants to, he tries to, but he's like, there's just too many of you. There's not enough of me. I can't. Um, That scene is really like that. I remember being terrified by that part as a kid, just the feeling of all of these helpless people kind of, they don't mean to hurt him or anything, but it's, he's just basically being like overwhelmed by this kind of, it's almost like a horror scene or something. But even though it's just needy people who need him to help them, it's like a great representation. They're represented as like lepers, like uh, almost like deformed and and, right, uh, right, you know, disfigured. So they are kind of like monstrous in a way. Can I bring up a little thing that was done in I think it was the 2013 Broadway revival that I really think is interesting that just this conversation brought up? At the end of the temple scene where Jesus is torn apart by the lepers, he is saved by Judas and Mary. And Jesus and Judas have a little moment, and then Judas stomps off jealous of Mary being the one that he goes to for comfort and not him. And then we... You know, I kind of like that. Again, representing Mary as what is tearing them apart. But also showing a possibly slight romantic jealousy between Judas 
Oh, that's interesting. It's I like the idea of showing a little. This musical maybe could have used a little more of like just Jesus and Judas being on the same side. Um, there's not yeah. really much of a sense of that because you know it it kind of is structurally built in. Like they, it comes at the end. It's just they. There's a lot of water under the bridge with them. Clearly, at the very beginning, Judas has already got these really intense doubts. But I like that just the idea of that because it just for a minute reminds you that they're friends and that like Judas has had Jesus's back this whole time. And that almost makes it, you know, harder what he's going through and like the doubts that he's having and the terrible decision that he's going to make. So let's talk about Gethsemane. Oh man, let's. This, this is my favorite song in the whole thing. <laughs> despite my not knowing how to pronounce the name. I think it's most people's favorite songs. <laughs> not mine. <laughs> I do like it though. This is a good song. Um, Kirk, tell me what you think about this song. This is like the real showcase for Jesus. So for like whoever is playing Jesus. Like this is the moment to me anyways where Jesus really gets to do his thing. Because it covers so much ground. It goes through like feels like a saga and a lot of the songs in this musical are actually pretty short so this one just really like takes its time and it gives jesus a level of depth that the musical has hinted at and clearly sort of set up through the first act but it feels like the entire first act is like building to this moment to us we're all we keep seeing jesus as this kind of you know he'll say things kind of enigmatic things to people and he'll he'll stand in front of a big crowd and like he's this superstar and everything but he's an abstraction and judas is the one that we've been hearing from and mary judas and mary we kind of like know their internal monologues but jesus hasn't done a whole lot like there have just been a few times where he's like well i know what's coming and none of you even care about me and blah 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 like he'll say these little lines but now we finally get to like know what he's thinking and it's this really complicated thing where he is feeling really bitter and he's saying i don't want this i don't you know now that we're here at the end you know it's i i i don't know that i want to do this what's the line it's something he's like you know all about you know how and where but i'm not so keen on why it's a very clever like tim ricey lyric and there's a lot of just good lyrics or he's like at the end he's he says you know what we started or he says what you started i didn't start it and he's kind of just saying you know this is a really tough thing that this sort of abstract God that I believe in anyway has like chosen me to do. And I know that I'm going to go die really horribly. I don't know. Like that's an amazing thing to have a monologue song, like a solo song about. And he, you know, I, I think that Ted Neely does a great job in the version that I grew up listening to and every other version. I, it's like the song I go to first to know, okay, does this Jesus have the chops? How are they at it? And you know, and how do they pull it off? And actually I thought that this was the real test of John legend in that TV version and he can't do the screams, you know, on the really intense part, but I really dug the way that he sang the song too. So it's just a, it's also just a good song. Like I think it's got a great melody and it's got a really neat, you know, it's well put together. I, I agree entirely. Um, it, it, it's such a strange placement in the show because it's not mm. even the opener of act two. It right. is the second song in act two. 
Well, as you always say, Jess, the opener is where everyone's sitting down. You gotta already be in your seat. For this <laughs> that's funny. That's that's a good point. Maybe that is why they did it. Because yeah, I'm looking at the act breaks, and I don't even I don't think of this show as like broken into these acts exactly. Like I think of everything as setting up Gethsemane. Really, like that's sort of the climactic moment almost of the whole musical and then it's that's like a peak and then it all goes downhill and i get more and more bummed out and like i i always listen to the end of this like less than i listen to the first half i think that's i bet a lot of people do that with probably a lot of musicals but that yeah i disagree i listen to the ending because there's more things i like in that second half Mm. yeah i i guess listening to it most recently i found myself really liking the second half so maybe it was more of a thing when i was younger i just didn't like all the bummer like trial the the 39 lashes and the crucifixion and all of that is just so dark and i liked the parts where they oh, were the 39 lashes is just they do all of them and it goes on and on <laughs> i think it's fabulous it's just tough it's like it's there it's effective and i get why they they put it in but it's it's tough especially yeah when you're when you're a kid and you're like oh god okay wow <laughs> they really they really uh all right really do that. so you are the christ yes the great Jesus Christ Prove to me that you're divine Change my water into wine That's all you need to And I'll know it's all true Come on, you king of the Jews Jesus, you just Andrew, I'll let you take the care of this one. <laughs> oh man, my favorite song is uh, King Herod's song because it's absolutely hilarious and I <laughs> yeah. love the dancing and I love his little boat and it's just perfect. <laughs> you gotta listen to so if you're gonna listen to one other version of this, check out Alice Cooper doing it in that 1996 version. I did check out Alice Cooper doing it, and Alice Cooper does it really well as well. <laughs> it's just so good. And in the movie, he does that little dance with his whole like posse. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's like you need that like lighthearted number though in this whole thing. It's like. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, it's tricky because even though it is a silly, you know, jazzy song in a different style, it's still under that pall of just all of this awfulness. I mean, they're just dragging this guy from place to place. You know, he's doomed and he knows he's doomed and everything is very sad. And it's definitely like a ray of sunshine through the clouds, though the clouds are still there, right? Like it's still it's still you're like, well, we're, we're going to crucify him pretty soon. So it's nice to have this kind of silly song. But I'm with you. It's a super yeah. fun song. And I just I just love goofy, cheesy songs. So this mm-hmm. is right up my alley. It's perfect. <laughs> the ridiculous villain songs are, are always fun. <laughs> ridiculous villain songs are maybe the best songs that can exist. Yeah, I, they're a lot of times they're pretty great. So do we want to talk about Superstar now? Just jump right to it. It's an unprecedented song. Like, I can't compare it to anything else where it's just, like, critiquing the main character who is also one of the biggest religious figures in the known world about every choice he made. Yeah, As he's I, about to be dead. Well, and it's it's kind of like one of the moments where... It's 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 another moment of ambiguity, right? Because it's not clear whether this is Judas's spirit, like, and Jesus is actually hearing him, or whether this is like a ghost, or whether this is just a memory, or whether this is just happening for us. And it's it's like a you know the Shakespeare thing where they turn and talk to the audience for a second, like what exactly is That's happening? That's kind of and my I, thought is like it's just kind of 
a, a show for the audience, and it's not really happening. Right. But you don't, don't think it's like Jacob's Ladder style, like him just seeing this was he's dying and bleeding out. You've said that for like the last five shows that we've done is that it's Jacob Ladder style, and no, it's not. <laughs> It's either that or Judas is in hell, and this is this is his torment. Is he has to talk about Jesus all the time? Yeah, I guess I'm. So I'm looking at the lyrics right now, and this it does kind of like this is where he says Israel in four BC had no mass communication. That's a lyric in the song. Did they change that one, Jess? Has that never been changed, or is that him? Nope, that's that's stuck around <laughs> because because I guess because he is now you know, outside of things and is speaking to us. It's okay for him to talk in modern terminology. Yeah, he's he's the genie now. So he he can turn into Robin Williams or Will Smith. Right. Yeah, you know, this really also totally supports the whole Judas's protagonist thing. I mean, the fact that he begins the, the whole musical with his thoughts and then ends the whole musical by zooming out and saying to all of us, like, okay, well, here are all the weird questions that I'm left with about this guy. <laughs> like, what was his deal? Is uh, is pretty striking when you when you put that all together. Mm-hmm. And what then we're just... I think the song is great. Um, it became a hit song for a reason. Like it's mm-hmm. commentary. It is like biting. It's satirical, and also it's catchy. You can't avoid the fact. You can't not hum this. No, right. It it brings back. I mean, it's like we've been building toward the whole musical. You keep hearing that banana, banana, like, and that line where you don't really do they ever sing it before this point like does the choir come in and actually sing those lyrics jesus christ jesus christ who are you what have you sacrificed like i feel like yes in hosanna oh uh, that's when they right i'm coming up yeah but it's yeah it's definitely like a, it feels like a the whole thing has been kind of building to this point though then it's not really the end right because then you have to watch christ get crucified and like die which is like, i mean they could have i think they could have ended it before he gets crucified and just be like all right it's over <laughs> I, I think they could have, but yeah. they didn't want to because the, the crucifixion is probably my favorite piece Andrew Lloyd Webber has ever written because mm. he has never done anything like it before since. I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. It is just the sound of a man dying, mm-hmm. like the ideal horrific noises that that would be and d- the dissonance of that, like musically. And I think it's done very well on the albums. Um, I don't think it's used nearly as well in the film, but like in every live production, it is just like this score screaming at you and just it used to give me nightmares when I was a kid when I listened to it. It was it's terrifying sounding. Yeah, I remember the visual of him on the cross during that sequence when I went when we saw a production of it as a kid. And I kind of feel like I should ask my parents about this. if They remember this, whether they were kind of freaked out by the end of like bringing their kids to see this show, because that part is heavy. And I I have a vivid memory of just that. It's like it's backlit. It was backlit. This production I saw and like really dramatic and terrifying. And the music, like you said, yeah, it sounds like a horror movie or something. It's like this huge like cacophony. And he's just slowly dying and like despairing and then calling out for his mother and then just sort of he's like I'm thirsty it's really grim shit and seeing that as a kid was 
pretty intense, especially if you don't get as, you know, the original productions didn't get, you don't get the happy, oh, and that, and then he came back from the dead and like, and mm-hmm. it was great. It's just like, nope, they like brutally murdered this guy and he died really slowly and badly and that was the end. And, and then it just home. ends. Bye. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thanks for your money. <laughs> <laughs> like, and which is totally wild. It is wicked. Um, and then it goes into one of Andrew Lloyd Webber's other great pieces, John 1941, which is just beautiful. And it's a haunting way to end the show. Is there anything else we got to say about the songs at all? I don't know. They're I, that's good. That's all I've got to say. Yeah, I'm with you, Andrew, on the odd time signature stuff. I really like um, all of the stuff in 5 and 7 that, that Andrew Lloyd Webber likes to throw in there. Like, even in his other musicals, like in Cats, there's some cool time signature stuff that he does, as corny as Cats Cats is, is fantastic. Yeah, all right, yeah, there's some songs in Cats are very good. Cats is, is odd. But anyways, I don't want to sidetrack us onto Cats. But um, but I do really, I really dig how many like risks he takes musically and then how well everybody just pulls them off. I think it's just like a bunch of really cool, weird, interesting music. And it's been fun learning it on piano. Also, all the dissonance, man, some of those trumpet parts that like where they've like written the trumpets to be in half steps to one another. So if you played on piano, just put your fingers right next to each other and it's like, it sounds terrible, but that's on purpose to like make it sound kind of grindy and, and dense and tense. And that is really cool. So yeah, I, I think the music is super good. All right. And now we have a new segment that we're trying out. Starting right now. Oh boy. Uh, oh god! Oh, new segment! Get uh, excited. It's trivia time. Um, <laughs> we've done this before, but we did a whole episode, and it was a disaster, and everyone loved it. So, <laughs> we're bringing it back. Trivia time. Uh, Kirk has written some questions for Jess, and Jess has written some questions for Kirk. And these are all related to Jesus Christ Superstar. Yes, that's true. It's all related to the, to the episode here. <clears throat> Here is the first question. Kirk, are you ready? I am so ready. All right. Uh, The original concept album of Jesus Christ Superstar had Murray Head as Judas. Uh, Murray Head's brother is also also very well known in the cult musical theater world. What is his name? Uh, I know this. His name is Anthony. Full name is Anthony Stewart Head, also known as Giles in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh my goodness. He freaking nails it right away. Jess, are you going easy on our guests here? That's not okay. It's funny. He, <laughs> do you remember when he sings Behind Blue Eyes on Buffy the Vampire Slayer? There's this scene where they walk in on him in a cafe and he's playing guitar and he's like got an amazing voice because Giles, because that, because Anthony Head has an amazing voice. And that was, I remember watching that when I was, I don't know, in my 20s and then thinking, whoa, who the hell is this guy? He sounds great. And then I looked him up and found out, oh, he's like a big deal in the theater world. Mm-hmm. He's great. Um, yeah, Stewart he's super is great. Amazing. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's one one point for Kirk. Feeling good about that. We're moving over to Jess now. Um, okay, let's go. Jess, are you ready? I'm ready. A singer from which band played Mary Magdalene in the 1972 Swedish production of this show? Oh, God. <laughs> I'm going to guess ABBA. Oh, my God, he nails it. Does he need the, the singer's question name? Is, can you guess the, the specific singer's name? <laughs> oh, shoot. That would be, so, that's a stretch. I feel like you're already, you, you did pretty good there Well, the, the way the question is worded makes it sound like he needs the band. Oh yeah, you're right, actually. A singer right, from which right. band? That sounds mm-hmm. like he wants the band name. 
You're right. No, I wrote that question, and you were correct. That is how it is worded. It is Agnetas Feltskog, who is one of the two singers of ABBA. I, I wouldn't know how to pronounce that, but so far we're one for one. So Don't worry, I wouldn't have known how to pronounce that either, and I may have made that question unintentionally I only learned easier. how to pronounce her name because I did an episode <laughs> on Dancing Queen, which, by the way, amazing song. Yes, yes. I can't wait to do Mamma Mia because I've done a whole 180 on that, that entire musical. So that's 1-1. One, one. We're, we're tied up at this point. Kirk, are you ready for your next question? I guess I am. The song, uh, King Herod's song, which I guess you probably could have just said King Herod's song, was written for another <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber musical that never came to be. What was the song's original title? I have no idea. It's called. It was called "I'm a Bad Dude." <laughs> can I can I sing it? Do I sing it? Oh, try it and see, and, and that's how it goes. Oh, uh, try it and see. <laughs> Interesting. So, it's, All right. it's try it and see uh, is is what it was apparently. All right. Well, you learn something new every day. All right. Well, that's we're still tied. Still one one. So we're moving over back to Jess. I could lose. Jess could conceivably lose. Very conceivably, very possibly. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. What teenage, soon-to-be movie musical superstar auditioned for the role of Jesus for the 1973 movie, only to not get the part? Soon-to-be teenage superstar. Soon-to-be movie musical superstar. Gotcha. Um, I'm gonna say John Travolta. <laughs> oh, look oh at this guy. Fucking this guy Fuck knows his really? stuff. <laughs> Did I really fucking get it? He yeah, got it was it. John Travolta. Who the fuck would cast him in that role? <laughs> Can we just imagine this with John Travolta as as Jesus? Ever since I have been imagining it ever since I wrote that question, and it has been delightful. I said that as a joke because I didn't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> well done. <laughs> okay. Well, um, <laughs> Okay. This last question is worth 20 points during this entire <laughs> exercise. Okay, so the next question is worth two points, uh, nullifying everything we just did. This is, this is like Final Jeopardy. This is exciting. Are you both ready for the next question? This is the final I'm question. I'm, I'm, ready. So ready. I'm ready. So ready. All right. Remember, type it in, and then whoever wins it will say the answer, and we'll pretend that's how it happened. All right. <laughs> how many pounds of milk does it take to make one pound of cheese? <laughs> <laughs> what? Do we do like whoever's closest gets it or? Yes, whoever's closest. All right. Um, uh, who typed in 20? That's me. Okay, so Kirk typed in 20. Jess typed in uh, 9,900,000, something, 99. You're missing a decimal there's at the There's a front. decimal point there. Oh, there's a decimal at the front. Do we are we doing prices right rules cuz you basically just cheated. <laughs> <laughs> All right, price uh, you know what? Fuck it. We're not doing prices jeopardy rules. You both are fucking wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's 10 pounds of cheese to make one one uh 10 pounds of milk to make 1 pound of cheese. Oh, I should have guessed I almost guessed 10. And nobody gets the bonus points. Oh well, those bonus points just sailed on by. Those bonus points sail by. I'm just sorry, waving Kirk. at them as they pass. Jess has just won his first musicals with cheese trivia. Victory. The reigning champion. Well, well played, Jess. Well, Yay. now he is. Uh, Brent yes. won the first one. <laughs> oh, okay. You've you've, recla you've reclaimed your um your championship title. Christ, I know you can heal me, but I only did what you wanted me to. 
spattered with innocent blood I should be dragged through the slime and the mud I have been spattered with innocent blood I should be dragged through the slime and the slime and the slime and the mud What's our overall thoughts? What's uh Jess, why don't you start us off? Jesus Christ Superstar is a great musical, probably Andrew Lloyd Webber's best, and he will never top it. Um, I have no complaints with it altogether. Yeah, I think um, Jesus Christ Superstar like changed what I thought a musical was. It was influential on me as a kid in ways that I probably don't fully understand, and will always I'll always think of it as one of the high watermarks for like what a musical can be. So agree, I I love this musical pretty unreservedly. I thought it was fantastic. A lot of the music is really good. Um, the movie version is a little iffy, so, you know, that's take it or leave it with that one, but, uh, definitely at least listen to some of the more recent, it sounds like the more recent, uh, recordings are the better ones to go with, so. Yeah, they're good. I'd go with those. (laughs) As far as my cheese rating, I'm going to give this, um, a Danbo cheese, which has the nickname King Christian. All right, and my cheese rating is Christian cheese made in Oklahoma. Ooh. What about what about you, Kirk? What's your cheese rating? Uh, my cheese rating is imported mozzarella cheese, which is delicious both on salads and on pizza. Fantastic. That is an excellent, excellent thought. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That is great. Thank you, Kirk, for joining us. I really appreciate it. Is there anything you want to promote out there? Like, feel free to just spit it out into the universe and let them know where to find you because you do great stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess mainly just Strong Songs, which is a podcast about music. I think people listening to the show would probably dig it. It's at strongsongspodcast.com, and it's on Apple and Stitcher and all the podcast apps. And uh, I'm also on Twitter at Kirk, K-I-R-K Hamilton, if you want to find me. That's my main social media outlet. Um, but yeah, thanks a lot for having me, guys. This was super fun. No, and anytime you want to come back, there's always a spot here for you, Kirk. You were a great guest. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our <laughs> listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial membership. Right back into it, Just boys. Just go to audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese. Be sure, once again, to check out um, Kirk's incredible podcast, Strong Songs. Um, it is Lin-Manuel Miranda approved, so if you it don't is. need our recommendation, <laughs> that's his. <laughs> Also, please follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and all the other podcast forums on Musicals with Cheese. We're on Twitter, at Cheesy Musicals. Our Patreon is Musicals with Cheese. We got a bunch of new patrons, and we got a lot of new content up there, so why don't you go join us? Give the, us some uh, dollars. What, what, what was the um, Matthew Broderick get- uh, came out very recently? Excellent. Matthew Broderick um, Music Man episode, um, as well as our Tony's live stream. So that's all up there for you to enjoy. Um, our YouTube page is Musicals with Cheese. There's currently a brand new video up right now if you're listening to this. Feel free to shoot us an email at musicaltheaterlives at gmail.com. Our title card is created by Jolene Casco. Follow her on Instagram at Jolene Casco. All right, Kirk, is there anything you want to say before we wrap this on up? No, this was a lot of fun. Thanks again. <laughs> Thanks All for right, coming. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for coming. That You're incredible, Kirk, and we appreciate your time tonight. Cheers. All right. We'll see you next time on Musicals with Cheese.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.